Welcome to The Gabby Ree Show, where everything is an experiment. I would tell myself to smile more, to enjoy where you're at, not take yourself so seriously, have fun with it, and be extremely present. Like, always be exactly where you are. Don't stop looking so much into the future and don't change your work ethic or change any, you know, anything you're doing, but your mindset behind it can be a little bit more freeing. Mm. That's what I would, would have told myself because, you know, I just remember never, there's so many things I just don't remember because I was never present in that moment. I was always thinking about, you know, you finish a game and you play well and it's, you're already on to the next one. And, and that's a, you know, it's the way it's supposed to be, but I just wish I would and would have stopped to smell the roses every once in a while. I've always had a chip on my shoulder. I'm I'm not happy or satisfied in the least bit. Like if anything, I'm more hungry than I've ever been in my life. And looking back, I've just always had that attitude. There's always something that's pissed me off that's allowed me to continue to work. And I really believe that that's God divinely intervening in my life saying, like you got a lot more in you and I don't want you to ever get complacent and this is why you're doing this. And it sucks at times, but I'm thankful for it because that's really molded where a lot of my mentality has come from. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful and grateful, but at the same time, it's just knowing I, from experience that you're not done and you're not where you want to be. And I don't know if you ever are. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. My guest today is two-time Pro Bowl athlete in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey. Now, I know Christian a bit for a couple of years, and it's been interesting to watch him on his journey. He went in the first round of the draft originally to the Carolina Panthers, but he was traded this season to the San Francisco 49ers, who had an incredible season, as well as Christian did. This is a conversation a little bit about football, but it's really the stage. It's Christian's stage to express kind of how he does it. And the way he does it is so fascinating. For me, what I found so interesting was, here's a kid who has three brothers. They all play football. His mom was a Stanford soccer player. His dad played in the NFL, won a Super Bowl at the Denver Broncos. They have had discipline since day one. And that structure and that support has also been something that Christian uses to make gains and progress and to be prepared and ready to do his job, which you know is very, very difficult. But simultaneously, this is somebody who says, yes, I have all this in place, all of these methodologies, all of these schedules, and I'm always going to be asking myself, how do I feel and what do I need? And it's such an interesting balance where, for example, let's say he wakes up on a Monday and he doesn't feel good, but on the schedule, you're supposed to do certain things. But he's saying, yes, but I don't feel good physically because you get so beat up on Sunday. So then how do you adapt and pivot? And this is something that a lot of us don't do. We set up expectations and schedules in our lives and we just go along and follow them instead of saying, hey, is this serving me for the end goal? And he's an incredible example of this. And he does talk about sort of the artistry involved in football and how he uses his chip on his shoulder to drive him in a positive direction. And just what it's like to get traded. You get a call at 11 p.m. one night and you, you're told you got to be on the plane. You move your city, you leave your life, you eject out of it. At 7 a.m., you're on a plane to San Francisco and you live in a hotel for a few weeks. 
and just how he said in a way that might have been one of the greatest things that could have happened to him. So he could just focus on doing his job and showing up, learning the offense and not really worrying about so much else. So I admire Christian. He's just such a hardworking, what you see is what you get kind of person. And he is a real inspiration to taking on really hard things, really hard things. So whether you're in a business or, you know, navigating family, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be taking, you know, being a running back in the NFL. It's that reminder of, I am going to have to work hard and I do need to be super rigorous about having a system in place that supports me and simultaneously, I'm always going to be checking and rechecking if it's the best thing for me. So I hope you enjoy. Christian McCaffrey, welcome to the show. Well, Thank welcome. You. Welcome. You come here. Welcome home. My se- my second home. Yes. So, you know, I want to say that we get calls a lot uh, about athletes coming and maybe they're trying to recover from something or deal with off-season training and we've known Bill Romanowski for those of you who maybe don't know who Bill is. He's I'd say he's one of the heaviest people to ever play in the NFL, don't you think? Yeah, he he had one speed, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and obviously to play that long and to do what he did was impressive. Yeah, so Bill calls us and says, hey, I, you know, he played with your dad. Now, wait, did they play? I know they played in Denver, but did they play in San Fran as well together? I, I don't remember if they overlapped, overlapped in San Fran. I know they played in Denver. Yeah. And I had actually gotten in touch with him because during my time at Stanford in my third year, I had a bunch of things going on and I was desperate. I was calling my dad. I'm like, I need some kind of body work. Do you have anybody I can talk to? And he said, no, but Romo probably will. Romo was living in Oakland. And so he had, you know, was kind enough to have chiropractors and a couple soft tissue guys come through and really kept me going throughout that last year, you know, my college career. And I was always thankful for that. So he's always been somebody who whenever you need a treatment person, he knows all the different people all over the world for soft tissue and chiro work. And some of the people that he introduced me to, I still work with today. And you, you for me, have such an interesting blend of being what one would call old school, sort of this very tough, hardcore work ethic. Um, and we'll get into, you know, the discipline was established pretty early in your, in your house. But you're a really a young person who's also using all these modern modalities for recovery and for training. It's like you're blending the best of the past and in the future, blending those for your own performance. Where do you think being kind of very sure about the way things are and staying totally open-minded, how you manage both of those things at the same time? I think it definitely came from my dad growing up. And I think we, we got to watch him towards the end of his career and all the different things that he used to do. You know, people laugh at the different things he did, but a lot of the things that he did are now implemented today. And like, well, like what? Just so curiosity. <laughs> and he like wouldn't wear any pads in his pants because he wanted to be a little faster. And not that I recommend that, but now the pads are getting smaller. Everything's getting lighter. And he was a, you know, he, that was his whole thing was be lighter, be faster, um, be as efficient as possible, all the different modalities and body work and this and that. And I think when I look at his career and then I look at my career, they're very similar in a sense of 
you know what to do as far as I need to take care of my body. I need to work really hard. The philosophy of how to do it is the same, but how you get there is constantly evolving. You know, the things that I did my rookie year are completely different than the things I do now. And in order to find the best way to do it, you have to experiment with different things and you have to really be conscious and intent about how well you feel at certain periods of time and what's the best way to do it. And a lot of it is a lot of failure as well. But I was fortunate enough to have my dad who, you know, I, I had an advantage. I would pick his brain about different things. And, you know, he used to, <laughs> he would do a lot of different things with us as kids that other kids weren't doing. And I remember those days very vividly. And and so I, I guess we were molded to become, you know, perfectionists in, a, in the best way. I mean that in the best sense of it takes a lot to be really good at what you do. Mm. And it takes a lot to play in this league. And even though you might do everything right, you can still fail. So knowing that that's, you know, a true for anyone who plays professional sports, we knew what it took and and we never got complacent with that. Yeah. I, I think people don't realize 1% of high school athletes play in college and then 1% ish go from college to the pros. So you're talking about, I always say it's actually a miracle. I think that people can do it, do it for a long period of time. And you're around all the people in the miracle. So none of you realize it, but people don't realize it's such a narrow small window yeah. that it can happen. Are you able, and I guess I mean this selfishly, it's like, are you able to take that same attitude and even do it in your everyday life where you're, you're sort of fixed in certain ways, but then open to, well, the world is changing. People are different. Are you able to apply that same template even for your kind of Every, off the field life or is, is that, cause I find that harder. Yeah, Like I can be open to new modalities and I'm always working, especially as you get older to pretend like I don't know certain yeah. things. I think that's the best way to be off the field. I think it's very difficult to be an expert in multiple things. I think when you look at people who are professionals and who are the smartest people in their field or the best at, at what they do, they get like that for a reason. And most of them have dedicated a lifetime to becoming that. And so as far as off the field goes, football and school and has, you know, ran the majority of my life. Mm -hmm. And so how to act off the field, I always knew, you know, how to be a good person and what to say and what not to say. But as you get older, that gets much deeper. And there's, mm -hmm. you know, a lot more that comes with that, whether it's relationally or with your parents or with your brothers. And these relationships are evolving just like the game is evolving. And so I think now later in my career, I'm doing a better job at being more open and separating football from life. Mm -hmm. But in my past, I've had a very difficult time separating myself from football when I'm not playing. And, and, you know, my success or failure on the field would dictate my whole entire mood for the majority of my life. And uh, I don't recommend that. I think that's a terrible way to live, but you know, it, it's a good experience and to be able to, you know, go through times like that and understand that that's not the way you're supposed to be and continue to work on yourself and read and do all these different things. I'm glad that I was like that at one point because I think it was my biggest advantage, Yeah. but I can see now later in my life that that's not a sustainable way of living. Yeah. And it's weird. It's like the thing that makes you successful also closes in on you. Yeah. So it's like, how do you balance that out? 
Let's talk a little bit because it is fascinating to me as a parent and it's different. You know, you come from four boys, you have three brothers, all play football or, and now coach and a combination. And your dad was an NFL player. Your mom was a Stanford soccer player. You come from a very high performing, high wattage, dare I say, high expectation family. And with your personality, Laird and I were talking about it. I go, I, I go, maybe we should have done that. And he goes, first of all, we have girls. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, and it's working very well with Christian's personality. But maybe you could just share as a young kid and one of four, you're number two, yep. you know, what that looked like. What are some of the things that your parents did that maybe were unusual, but sort of moved everybody forward? I give a lot of credit to my older brother. Uh, my parents were unbelievable, but my older brother for me was my role. He was my best friend, my role model. He would take me along with him everywhere he went and he would whoop my ass every single day, whatever we were doing, he was killing me. But in looking back, there was multiple ways to beat somebody in a one-on-one -on -one match. And he did it as good as you could have done it as an older brother. And it made me want to keep playing against them. And so I always, I was always fortunate and appreciated that looking back. But we kind of just followed after one another. My older brother played football and played all the sports and right. I wanted to be like him and I wanted to be like my dad. So I did it too. And I think motivating me to play sports for whatever reason was never an issue. I never had a, you never had to push me or any of us to work hard or like when we were doing sprints at the end of the practice, that was always you know, we lived for that. That was, I think it's just in our I was like, maybe DNA. it's cellular. I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I wish there was an answer though. Cause if I, you know, I yeah, have kids, replicate I would love that. to know. <laughs> but um, I don't know why, but we, we always worked well with each other and we always worked really hard when it came to sports. They were, that was the deal. And my parents knew that. And because they knew that school was a massive influence on us. And, and they were very, very hard on us when it came to school. There were no, you, you know, no C's allowed. I'll never forget. That. Really? We got a, I got a C in fifth grade math one time and parent teacher conferences. I'm sitting in there and my dad's talking about sending me to military school and holding me back a grade because I can't, you know, figure it out. And he was right. He was like, you, you're smarter than that. Like you are smart. You're, you could have worked harder. Most of the time when you're a kid in school, it's, it's effort. It really is effort. It's, did yeah. you read, did you study or, or did you not? Cause they're not trying to trick you as a kid. So they were really hard on us when it came to school. And I think it's because that was a, you know, obviously school is important if sports never worked out, right. but also it was a discipline that we didn't necessarily want to do like most kids. And uh, they knew that in order to be great at anything, you got to do things that you don't want to do and mm -hmm. make that a habit. So school was big for them. They, they were always keen on. And, and early bedtimes, like maybe just share a little okay. bit about, because it's kind of amazing. And it's amazing to me that, you know, there, there wasn't like a mutiny on it, like four boys. <laughs> we like, have our issues. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> well, but, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, cause I'm in awe, you know, I'm like yeah. compliance. It's amazing. But how did, how did that, uh, what did that look like just in general? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was a very, like, we were very fortunate. We had money. My dad played 13 years in the NFL. My mom was an amazing mother. Couldn't have had a better mom. We grew up with money, had a great house, lived in a great community. But I always tell people we were rich, but we were not spoiled. And there's mm. a big difference between the two. And, you know, we went to bed 730 was our bedtime up until eighth grade. You know, I just remember 
my dad would feed us steak and pasta for like every meal. And my mommy was an cr- unbelievable cook, but everything was healthy. There was no sodas. They, they understood what it meant to eat well at a young age and how important that was and sleep. And uh, I remember I was so excited to get a phone. I got a phone my freshman year of high school and they would take our phone nine, well, like 9 p.m. every night. You know, we weren't allowed to go to bed with our phone because they knew, you know, they're like, I don't need you staying up late doing stupid things on your phone. And so you need to go to sleep. Sleep was big for them and diet was big for them. I remember when I was a kid being jersey tackled was like a no-no. So mm-hmm. if you got jersey tackled, I don't want to say you'd get grounded, but you'd get, you know, it didn't but rub explain, my dad the right way. Ex- so I know what jersey tackled is, but explain for people just really simply what it is. Basically, it's when someone grabs you by the jersey and right. tackles you yeah. in, instead of, you Your know, body. being able to be wrapped up. Like, so when now, now we have the Velcro on our pad. So you go to grab it, your hand's just going to slip off. So I remember we'd go to the Home Depot. I'm like seven years old. Get that double-sided tape that they use to tape the walls together and, that's how we would tape our jerseys down. And then a couple years later, it would get to, we would tailor them. So we were the only kids. I mean, we looked awesome. We had the swag and all these different things, but we had the tightest jerseys that were just hemmed to our pets so no one could tackle you. And then, you know, I mean, it's, there's a, there's a million stories that I have from the way we grew up, but in high school, I remember I cramped one game. It was the first game of the year. It was like a hot game in Denver. And I remember I cramped in the fourth quarter and that was a no-no, right? And, and I used to have not a nervous issue, but I would get super hyped up for games and amped. And so I cramped. And from then on out, my dad would take me to the, the Broncos doctor that was the doctor when he was there. And mm-hmm. we'd get IVs on Friday. So he, as, as important school was, he would take me out of class. He'd make sure it wasn't like a yeah, me- test whatever. or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we'd drive over there. I'd get a you know liter or two of a saline IV, mm-hmm. go back to school, and you know play that day. And we go. did that every Friday my whole high school career. And then uh, I went to a private school, so we you wore jeans, you wore khakis, and my dad was. He's like, those. that's too heavy. You can't wear jeans or khakis on a game day. So I would be the only idiot getting in trouble for wearing sweats on Fridays. And it's like, don't don't talk at the pep rally. Like you got to save your voice. Don't go outside because the sun, you don't want to squint. It's going to make you tired. Like all these things were ingrained in my head all the time. And I would listen to all of them. Like I'm still remember 26 now. I still yeah. remember all of this because when I was having success, I would attribute it to these things. And he was right. All the stuff he said was right. And I was like, man, it's working. And so I wanted to do what worked. I was like, I'm playing well. I'm not getting Jersey tackled. I'm scoring a bunch of touchdowns every game and I'm running fast and I feel good and must be doing something right. So I would keep listening to him. You know, we'd go, same thing. I'd get me and a couple teammates. He'd drive us to go see the chiropractor that he used to work with in Denver and we were making sure our bodies. So that all that stuff started at a young age Mm -hmm. and uh, it really did mold us to understand what it takes to work and what it takes and what it means to work. You know, it's not just showing up for practice. It's that's the easy part, not just showing up for the game. That's the easy part. That's Mm -hmm. the fun part. It's all of the behind the scenes things that matter. That's going to allow you to be who you want to be. I think the, the point that you're, presenting is so important that people don't realize it's not just in the moment or the practice of the moment. It's literally everything else you're doing, even down to who you're with, what time you're going to bed, what you're eating, what you're thinking about. I'm just curious if it made you at all superstitious though. 
Extremely, extremely <laughs> Because when I hear that, I have my own little weird things. Yeah. But I wondered if, like if that has, if you've sort of repackaged that in your own way, or is it like, are is it, has yeah. it, has it, because that's always such a tricky thing. Yeah. Like I have a system and this is how it works. And I put my pants on this way on a game day. And I, I mean, what, what uh, did you take with you and what did you sort of reformulate? Like I said, like the, everything has evolved in different ways. And the philosophy of this is what it takes to be great has been the same. It's just what that means has changed mm-hmm. for me. Um, but yeah, it makes you, it made me really superstitious and, and very routine oriented. And it was more so not doing certain things that I was superstitious about than doing certain things. And when I first got into the league, I was very, very superstitious. Everything was to a T. Everything was the exact same. I mean, my warm up was the exact same every day, which it still is. It's something I've held, but I've gotten less superstitious over the years in my league, in my time, because I would attribute something to like, this is why, like I put my right cleat on first, which I still do. But now I, I do it knowing that if I don't do it, it's okay. And I don't freak out as much because you once you play in enough games, it's like, right. I forgot to put my right knee pad in before my left knee pad. And then you go play well and you're like, oh, maybe it wasn't the knee pad. <laughs> yeah. But I think just the concept of routine for me is always important. And it's just checking a box, making sure I'm mentally ready to go. And I think routine for me has been extremely important. I hate doing anything random. I hate just showing up and being like, oh, I feel good today. Let's go see how it's, I need to have a exact schedule. Cause that's what my dad had. That's what my older brother had. That's what they did. And yeah. It's just, that's the way it, it is for us. Do you have any athletes you play with or that you that you have played with that can just kind of, I mean, of course they're all going to work hard pretty much if you're at that level, but is there anyone that you're just in awe of how sort of loose they can be and then show up and really perform? I envy them and in a lot of different ways. And I know that, you know, I know that I'm gifted athletically and I'm able to do a lot of things that people can't. And I know that I don't have to do all of the things that I do to get there. And I'm aware of that. But once again, for me, it's the checklist that's important. It's I did it. My biggest issue, like you said, has been overdoing it. So like sometimes I can overdo it. And that's actually been my worst enemy in my whole entire career. It's been my biggest strength, but it's my worst enemy. So what yes. Is, what does that mean overdoing? Cause the, the stress around doing it becomes also its own beast. I would say overtraining, mm-hmm. you know, finding different things to do it, going, going full throttle every day, all year, especially late in your career. You can't, you have to, you have to know what to do and when I think when is really important. You can't peak too many times throughout the year and, but you have to stay fit and active and you have to train. So you can't do nothing, but you can't overdo it either. And it's just finding that balance. But yeah, there are guys that I've played with who I'm just so jealous of because they show up a minute before practice and just ball. Really? And I'm like, man, come on. Who, who do you give me an example? I'll never forget. I was, I was trying to figure out what to do in my off season and I was like, man, I, I'm going to ask the, the best guys. So I go up to Julius Peppers. This is after my first year. Julius Peppers will be a Hall of Famer, one of the best DNs ever. Stupid athlete. Played basketball at North Carolina and football. And I was like, what do you do offseason? Mind you, he's 6'8", 300, and runs like a deer, strong as an ox. And he was like, the offseason's for resting the muscles. 
It's <laughs> like, what? Like, you don't, like, I don't, I, I mean, I, I mean, he probably trained and did some stuff, sure. but like he was, the stress level for him was none as compared to me. Really? You know, and I, and I, I don't want to, he might say something else and he might've been like, no, I definitely was, but he definitely didn't make it seem like he was, you know, yeah. and he was so good. Uh, and I, I caught him at the end of his career and he was still, you know, a 10 sack a year guy. And then like a guy like DJ Moore, I played with in Carolina, who's was a freak athlete. You know, we would train with, I remember training with him in the summer and he's, you know, six, two, whatever, two twenty, jacked, runs super fast. And I was like, you know, where you been training? He's like, Oh, I just started this week. And it's like a couple of weeks before camp. And I'm like, damn, like you look like that. You're running like that. Like not more power to you. I wish, I wish yeah. mentally and emotionally I could do that, but I just not, that's not me. It's never going to be me. And I've, I've learned to slow down during the earlier parts of the off season. And that's why I came here initially was because I didn't want as much tread on my tires, yeah. but I wanted to stay fit and I wanted to keep my joints healthy. So I found you guys and that's really what led me to, to you guys. And it worked. What really shows up for me when you talk about that though, is each person understanding what works for them and developing their system, because it's so easy to get caught up in what other people, your teammates or your opponents are doing or not doing and realizing I am going to stay open to learning, but I'm also going to appreciate that we all do it differently. Right. And success, we can get there so many different ways. And, and a lot of times people think they have to do it exactly the way someone else does it or a way that they used to do it. That's the other thing is modifying the way you do it. You say like, hey, I can't do it the way I did it as a sophomore in college or in high right. school. So I, it's that weird balance of knowing oneself and always being adding and, and adapting. Right. That's so important. Let's let's talk about your season. You know, you said sort of off season, in season, you can only peak so many times. I'm curious for you right now, if you could just give us the rhythm of a year, what it looks like, what you're hoping, what gains you're hoping to make when in a perfect situation. Obviously we'll we'll talk about injury, but I'm just curious how you map it out and what that looks like. Yeah, it's it's a great question, and I wish I had a concrete answer. But I think the thing that I've realized the most is throughout a season, the question that you continuously have to ask yourself is, "How do you feel?" Because that changes. Mondays are different every week. Wednesdays are different every week. Meaning, you might feel horrible one Monday morning, where it's like normally my lower body day would be today, and I'd I'd do all my treatment and and you know flushing and all that. And then I'd go do a little lift, lower body lift. But if you can't do that, you can't do it. You might have to push it back. And so, so it's, that's wake, where it's my, waking up after competing and saying, how do I really feel? How do you do really I feel, feel like I got hit by a car? Yeah. Or. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's checking the box of what do I need this week? There'd be weeks where I, like there was multiple weeks. I didn't pick up a weight. I didn't lift one time. I didn't practice one time, multiple times. And it's, it's because Sunday is the most important day and you have to know that you can't. And, and it, you know, you got to get lucky with a good coach who can trust you on that too. And uh, I'm thankful for the coaches that I've had who have really trusted me and knowing that I know what's best for my body, because sometimes I might be able to practice on a Thursday, but it, is it what's best to get to Sunday? And once again, these are rare occasions where you're really hurting and things are going wrong and this and that. And you're fighting through things that you can fight for, but as long fight through as long as you're smart. So wait, let's look at that for a second. Cause I think 
a lot of times, regardless of whether you're in a physical activity, people feel at a disadvantage, right? Like you're in pursuit of something, whatever. So you're in, you're in a position, and obviously you've been there before, so it gets easier in a different way of management. But where do you get the emotional strength to kind of continuously go through that? Because it is a vulnerable position. I'm asking you to go out and go to war on Sunday. And then I'm asking you to get ready to go again the next Sunday. And then that week, maybe you have to, you're not feeling great. Is it because it's like, Hey, I've been here before. It's going to be okay. Or do you, where do you get that strength and that confidence to kind of keep going through that? Cause the, people don't realize when you're physically not feeling great and you're going out there and people are trying to get you, it's, I don't, I mean, that's a hard position. I think you, you get it from experience. Um, unfortunately, I've had a lot of different things I've had to deal with over the years. And fortunately, I've had a lot of different things I've had to deal with over the years. And so I'll wake up Monday feeling horrible, but I know I can get to Sunday. And I'll know the plan from experience because I've been here before. I've had something like this before. And, and I trust the people around me. It's not ever just you, you know, it's, you have to rely on a lot of different people. Your strength coach matters, your, your, you know, equipment staff matter, your, your coaches matter, your position coach, your head coach, your coordinator, your teammates, like everybody matters when it comes to football. That's why to me, it's, you know, it's the biggest team game in the world. It gets so individualized and this guy and this guy, it's never one guy. Mm. And there's a whole behind the scenes staff, the trainers, like that's who you spend the majority of your time with. And, and you, you know, you can get to Sunday, but it's, it's getting to Wednesday to practice. That's the challenge. Right. And so, because I believe you need to practice to be good. I believe you need to lift consistently throughout the year to maintain a level of strength and, you know, aerobic capacity. And, and you have to, otherwise it's going to be tough. Some, I don't know. How do you keep your aerobic? That's another thing. How do you keep that going during a season when you're you know, managing injury and being beat up and stuff. Where, where do you get it from? Practice. In practice. Yeah. I think that's why, that's why personally I like practice because I, as you know, I have monitored over the years of how much I practice and what I do. And once again, just through experience, knowing I might need eight reps today, 10 reps today, based on how I'm feeling a few runs. And then on this other day, I'm feeling good. I'm in 12 to 15, whatever. And, and you're monitoring it, but practice is where you rep what you're going to do in the game. And that's when you feel comfortable with the timing, with the quarterback timing, with the O-line, uh, all these different things that you're, you're micro dosing the game before you get there. And so when you don't practice throughout the whole week, for me, it, it gets a little bit challenging, doable, but challenging. Some of my best games, I didn't practice the whole week. And that might be because my mind is just completely free and loose and I'm reacting, but I still would rather practice because I really feel like you have to, you have to get those reps before the game because the game plan changes every week. It's not the same plays you run. If it was the same plays, it'd be much easier to go from Sunday to Sunday. Mm -hmm. But you know, you're playing against different guys, you're playing against different defenses, and so you need to be able to see those in live reps before you get to Sunday. So, practicing in the weight room is really where you continually maintain the speed and the conditioning and the strength that, that you're going to need to get it, you know, to get through hopefully 21 games, but 17 at the very least. Right. And in off season, obviously, and we can talk about that, but in season, when you talk about explosiveness, is that lower reps, like just if you can give me a sampling of, Hey, you feel pretty good. You're in the weight room. 
Would it be a Tuesday and a Thursday? Like when would you go in and would you be focusing mostly on your first step explosiveness and that kind of thing? And, and what exercises specifically are you doing to help you maintain that? Because it's a long season and you're trying to calibrate recovering and somehow performing all the time. Right. So Mondays are usually like a lighter, but lower body emphasis. You know, you have a lot of, you just went through a lot of load and, and, you know, you take a lot of hits and there was a point where I would not practice on Wednesdays just cause I was getting a lot of wear and tear and I'm getting a lot of touches. So you're taking more hits. So Monday might not be the best day for lower body. And so then I would do a full body Wednesday, lower and upper on Wednesday morning, and then not practice so that I get my lift in on that Wednesday. Now I'm ready to go for Thursday. But if you were to map it out, you feel great. Monday morning would be a lower body lift. You know, you have a lot of lactic acid, you have some tension from, from the game. So that's the whole point is just to work that out. When you say tension, you mean you're beat up or? Yeah, yeah. Just, tight, you're tight. And, yep. and you need to move around a little bit. You don't, you don't wanna let that all sit. And so Monday and Tuesday are huge treatment days and IVs and all that stuff. And, but that lift, and then Wednesday would be an upper body in the morning. And then we would practice Wednesday. But I think people don't respect how explosive and violent running and cutting is. And we practice hard. So like you're, you're there's not a 75% or 50% unless it's a walkthrough or a jog through you're practicing it's full speed. So to continuously stop and start and do it, you can't replicate that in a weight room ever. Mm -hmm. You have to do those reps when you're running, you know, 18 plus 21 plus miles an hour all the time and cutting and planting and stopping and starting. That's a big lift in and of itself. And so I always monitor how much of that I'm doing throughout the week and base my lifts, you know, off of that. But I think you gotta, you know, you have to have load on your lower body in order to keep your joints and your knees and all that stuff healthy throughout the year. Right. It's almost like you have to get that impact. So it's ready for that impact. It's so hard right. not and to then, overdo yeah. it. And then Friday would be like a neural, you know, if you want to do a light clean or a med ball throw, it's just kind of get the nervous system back going for the Sunday game. And then Saturday's like a walkthrough treatment recovery travel. If it's an away game, mm -hmm. play Sunday. I, you know, we were joking about uh, that. We, you know, we met through Romanowski. The, the story on Romo was that he would start getting irritated like on Thursday and that, and his wife said that he would almost like go to like the other side of the house or away, like by Saturday that he was, it took him that much to get that fired up to play that game. I'm wondering if emotionally, how do you must, like, how do you generate what it takes to get out there? And is that, is that like a consistent process for you as well? Like, do you? I think that's why taking care of my body is so important. The overall philosophy is take care of your body so that you can feel 100%. Because if you feel good going into the game day, I don't have to psych myself up. I don't have to listen to a song. I'm, I'm ready to roll. I, I know you can't, there's no one who's going to motivate me more than I'm already motivated. Not a song, nothing. I'm ready to, if, if Sunday comes, I, it's, that's my favorite thing in the world to do. I, it's, there's nothing like it to me. So I'm ready to roll come Sunday. So you don't have to get angry or get all. I'm already angry. I'm good. I'm, I'm good to go. It's like I said, it's, it's the funnest thing in the world for me to do. 
And so that's why you take care of your body. That's why you do all this stuff that can get exhausting. And that's why, that's why guys retire when they still have a lot of play left. It's yeah. not, it's not because they can't play in the game anymore. That's the funnest part of football is the games. That's why we play. It's the year long, 365 day, yeah. you know, preparation and what it takes to play. And so if I can emotionally and enjoy that for as long as humanly possible, I hate putting a day on how, you know, how much longer you want to play. I don't know, as long as I can, as long as I hopefully want to. And because I love Sundays, that's the gear up day. You're ready to go. Do you think you like, you love football? Like you and your dad love football the most in your family, like even compared (laughs) to your brothers? I don't know. It's a good question. Like my, you know, you'd have to ask them that. I don't know how you, how you would compare it. I know, I know my family, like, I don't think I have any more love for it than anyone else. You know, my dad played 13 years and was a, you know, he was a psychopath when it came to the stuff that he did to train and to all the different things he did. And my older brother, my older brother played like five years, but you know, I look at my older brother who coaches now. Yeah. He actually just got a job with the Dolphins. I'm wait, pretty fired up. Wait, he's not going to coach with your dad anymore? No. So he got, oh, a, well, good. he got a job in the NFL. Wait, and, are you serious? Yeah. So we were, you know, fired up for wait, him. What's but he, what's he? It's like an offensive great, assistant. Great. Um, you know, so he's it's a, a, it's a low level thing, but he's, he's young and watching him coach and the way he prepares, it's like, he's obsessed, like absolutely obsessed. I'd call him when he was coaching in college and all he talked about was some 16, 17 year old recruit that he's recruiting from, you know, the middle of nowhere, Indiana. I'm like, dude, I don't care. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't care about this kid's tape that I'm not going to watch play, but he's obsessed, like obsessed with it. You know, my dad obviously was obsessed. My little brothers, both, you know, my, my littlest brother, Luke loves it. He, he calls me all the time and is asking about different speed things. Wait, is he the one at Rice? He's the one at Rice. And yeah. they switched his position. Is that right? Am I he getting that right? Positions, yeah. right he so he went from to quarterback to receiver. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, we all it's love it, man. Dylan loves it. Like, you know, it's, I don't know if I love it more than anyone else. Okay. Cause I, I, I can't imagine anyone loving it more than you. So you, let's say you're going into Sunday and you're not feeling great. Like you're managing this and that, like a calf or something. It takes something else then. Mm-hmm. What is that? <laughs> medicine? <laughs> um, medicine works. Yeah. Uh, no, and, and I, you know, I mean, it's a conversation worth having because yeah. it, is, it is something for us that like, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a sticky situation because we know that sometimes that stuff's not good for you, but not playing is also not good for you. And, and I look at it like if I can, if I take a, you know, a tour at all 17 games a year and that's it. Like other than after those 17 days, I'm taking care of my body with the best of them. Yeah. I'm good. And sometimes you need that, you need that pick me up to get going. Otherwise you're going to be thinking about whatever it is that you're dealing with the whole game. And you can't play like that. You have to play free and loose. But no, I don't attribute it all to that because no. it's not just that that's going to get you through a game. I think when you when you come out of the tunnel and you get that feeling and you look at the other team, it's like it's there's an adrenaline that's hard to compare in anything else. You know, I look at like the UFC fighters and even the military members. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's the you know it's the military and the yeah. things that they do, which is I couldn't even imagine. Then you have the UFC fighters. Like I remember my favorite part of watching MMA is when they close the gate and you, you can hear the lock and it's just them and the ref. And you're like, that's 
all these lights and all these different things going on, it's like, no, nah, this is a, it's a fight. Like yeah. those guys don't care about anything else other than winning that fight. And then football, which I relate to that in, in very, you know, I'd say a smaller way, but same way. So that gets you over the edge. And then there's the team aspect of it. Your teammates are relying on you. You know, you're, everyone's touches each other's money mm-hmm. and they need me and I need them. And if I can give them my best, even if I'm not feeling great, yeah. then we're all going to win. And I think that's the most important thing. And that's the thing, the accountability aspect of it, of, I know I'm going through some stuff, but so are all of these other dudes. And they're going out there and putting their bodies on the line every single Sunday for me, for the team, for themselves, for their families. So I can do the same. And, and when you have a team that's bought into doing that, it's special. Mm. You recently got traded. You went from uh, Carolina to 49ers. There was a second I was hoping maybe you were going to go to the, I mean, I'm not the Rams necessarily the fan. I'm actually weirdly, because I'm from the Caribbean, I like Dan Marino a lot. So I started with the Dolphins. I know it's not been easy, <laughs> let me tell you. But getting traded. So I know that you made a home, you have a home in Carolina. So you were vested in that in that franchise, in that team. It's not like you were like, okay, I'll be here and then I'll end up somewhere else. What is that like when you're, maybe the program hasn't gotten the personnel yet that they are hoping to get and it's not easy. When you're playing on a team like that and you're having to produce because that's what your job is, is it, okay, I'm gonna focus on what I can control, which is me being as productive as I can be and how do you not let the other stuff creep in about, well, this guy isn't, uh, we don't have that. Or how do you do, how do you do that? Well, for me, I never went into a game thinking we're not going to win. I always thought we could win, especially in in Carolina this last year, especially uh, it was bittersweet for me at the time, because, you know, I was a captain on those, on that, that team three years in a row. Those were my, those are like my guys, that locker room. We were so tight and we'd gone through so much together. We all know how difficult it, it is to win in this league, especially when you have, you know, I think af- after my third year, our head coach who had been there for nine years, he'd got fired in the middle of the season. All of our vets who were the leaders of that team all moved on, either retired or, or went to other teams. We had an ownership change. And there was so many different variables that were in and out in a revolving door. And it takes a long time to build a team. And so... For me, you have to respect that transition period for what it is. And you know, it's going to take a lot to win, Mm -hmm. but I always felt we could win. And even when we were one in four or whatever it was this past year, I looked at our schedule and I was like, we have a really difficult early schedule. We play a lot of really good teams, but it's a long season. I mean, you've seen teams go nine wins in a row and make the playoffs at eight and eight or seven and nine, whatever it is that happened this year. Yeah. And they were close. Those games were close. Close. Yeah. And you know, some of them weren't, some were, but we had a new quarterback, we had a new offensive coordinator. So you have a new playbook, right? And your, your starting quarterback got there during training camp, no OTAs, nothing like there's growing pains that come with that. You can't just expect, you know, look, anything can happen and you can go undefeated. But I, I, I always felt like if, if we lose a couple early, I know we're going to pick this up. And once we get clicking, we can go, but it's going to take some growing pains to get clicking. That's just the way the league works. And I thought I was going to be in Carolina forever. You know, I was like, if we don't make it this year, then next year we're rolling. Cause it's going to be, you know, it takes it's, that's why they say any given Sunday, it's anyone can win at any point. 
Yeah, so I, you but know. How do you protect that mentality? And I'm going to say the winning mentality, because that's what it is, right? It's like focusing on, you know, what are the things I need to do? What does it take for us to win? You know, it's all, it's a winning, it's a genuine winning mentality. Not like, oh, this is hard and like, I don't know. So what do you do? Is that just natural for you? Or do you have, like, how do you protect that? Because that's, that's hard to maintain. I think you, you protect it because it's better than the alternative. You know, it's the alternative is you got a bunch of complaining guys who hate being going into work and it's a long season. You want to have a group of that, like that's, you have no chance, you know what I mean? And so it's, Mm -hmm. there's always two ways to be in any situation. And if you pick the latter and you pick the one that, you know, is respectable, it's just a better way to live your life. It's easier. In my opinion, it's harder. It might be harder to do because it's easy to complain and bitch and moan, but it's going to it's going to pay off if you continue to do the right thing and be the right way. And I was lucky enough to have really good veteran leadership when I first got in the league. And so I watched those guys and the way that they acted, even when you lose it, well, they didn't change. They, they were like that. They were killers. And, and I always respected that and wanted to be like that. How does the trade happen? Do you get a call? Like, what does that look like? Cause from the outside, yeah. most of us don't know all the inner mm-hmm. workings. Is it, is it your agent calls you and goes, Hey, like, how does, <laughs> what does that look like? Well, it's tough because, you know, the media is so relevant nowadays and there's, you know, it's more than ever with social media and a lot of the talking heads that, you know, talk about this and that. So it was in the air that I was going to get traded. And once again, I was so dialed in. I'm like, look, I just told the general manager, if anything's real, let me know. If it's not, don't like I don't. But just be honest. It's all I ever want. It's all I ever needed. I know that this is a business, but I need you to be honest with mm-hmm. me. And he was and I was appreciative of that. But after we played the Rams, my agent called and he says, I think it's going to get a little more serious. And he's like, probably 50%. And that was on Monday. And so I, you know, I appreciate him saying that because he was right. Tuesday, it was about 70. Now I'm trying to, I'm playing Tampa this week and for the Panthers. With, against, so I'm, you I'm trying him? to block dream, it out. The dream smasher, what you used to call Brady. <laughs> Oh yeah, the dream crusher. Yeah, yeah. the dream crusher. Um, Wait, on a side note, do you remember when I had that thing, that conversation with you and and uh, Ronnie, and about, uh, and uh, Brady said he was retiring, and you guys were all stoked. Oh yeah, and you know Ronnie plays for for Baltimore, and uh, I go, well, don't you guys want to compete against the be- the best guy? Yeah. And you guys were like, no, no get him not out. At all. <laughs> I want to play the worst guys all the time. I want to win by 50 every did, game. That's what every time, <laughs> one time I was practicing volleyball and Laird was there and they, someone on their team did some weird illegal carry with the ball. Yeah. And we're like, oh, that's a chuck, a throw. And it was point game done. And he goes, you're comfortable winning like that? I was like, absolutely. Yep. Like any way <laughs> to win. Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. But I remember that. I thought that was so cute. You and Ronnie were like, oh yeah, that guy, he's retired. Great. I know. Okay. So Tuesday it's, it's up to 70%. Yeah. So Tuesday and then long and how are you, how are you showing up, going to the facility, got the colors on of the team and thinking I might be out of here. It's like, are you in, are you out? It's like, yeah, how I, mean, do you do that? I, I was all in. And once again, it's just, I always, it's, it's because it's better than the alternative. Like I didn't, you know, you got teammates relying on you and, yeah. and nothing's, nothing's true until it's done. So trade talks happen all the time. Sometimes, depending on who you are, they're public. And that was the situation with me is like a lot of this was public. And so that's why it was harder to deal with. But I was all in and I got a call. I was practice, treatment, meetings, all that with Carolina. And then 11 11 at night. That night? The GM calls me and 
trading to San Francisco, yada, yada, yada. What would happen if they said, uh, I don't know, we're trading you to Texas, the Texans, or something. I'm trying to think uh, yeah, of a I team mean, <laughs> that's not maybe thriving at you know, the moment. That, Do it, you have a, you can't tough, pack your bags? Like, well, how does that work? Yeah, you yeah. There's no. You're, that's nothing right, you can yeah. do. Yeah, you, trading you don't you don't pick where you where you go. That's why it's Even like I was so fortunate uh, to go to San Fran for sure. I mean, what a what a you know. Looking back, it's it feels you know doesn't feel real. And I know we still got a lot more left, so I don't like yeah talking too much about it. But I'm just so fortunate. And um, but um, okay, so here you are, a systems guy. You have your system set up at home. Yeah. You have all your stuff lined up the way you do it, your recovery, where your your yeah. food, all of it. Now all of a sudden you're living in a, yeah. I think a hotel. See, no one asked me those questions because that's the hardest part. Okay, so that's how do you part. go? Hey, I'm I'm I, I'm sad. I'm I'm gonna miss my guys. I love them. I wish I could have done it with them, but and now I'm moving to a con, to a great place. Right. And um, also weirdly, like where your dad played there, it's a great location. It's a great team. But your school there, yes, Stanford. But your system now. Here's somebody who has it so dialed. Were you staying at like a hotel for a minute? Yeah, a few weeks. Okay, but uh, so what do you? How do you pull that cord and find your homeostasis and your place that you can perform from in this whole new switch in 24 hours? Yeah, there's there's so many emotions that come at once. And you can't address any of them because mm-hmm. you have to learn a new playbook and it's week seven and you play the chiefs in, t- in a day and a half. And you're like, damn, like as much as I'd love to address like everything, leaving my home and going five hours across the country and all these different things, like I don't have, you don't have time to, I still haven't addressed them. And maybe that was the best thing to happen because you just get to move on right away without any, you know, if it's 11 at night, do you see anyone the next day or you're out? I, w- I would have loved to see them and my teammates and just say bye, but there's a 7 a.m. flight. I practiced Friday for the 49ers the next day. So it was like I got there Friday, did my physical, and I walked out to the practice field and like, you know, did some high knees and watched, did a couple reps and handoffs of some outside zones after with some of the quarterbacks. And then, you know, right in back into learning the playbook went on from there and that was it. So do you feel, I don't want to say lost, but when you, so here's a familiar environment for you, football, you know, it well, pads, helmet, like you you got a new Jersey on. It's like a whole, I mean, it's pretty wild. Is there any moment in there where you're sort of like, I, what's happening? Or are you just like locked and loaded? Okay. I know what I'm doing and that's it. No, I just, I, I honestly, the biggest thing for me was take, like learn the plays so that was the biggest thing for me was learn the plays. Otherwise, because I mean, just order of importance, order, what of, needs yeah, to order of operations okay. was yeah. learn the plays, continue to take care of the body, learn the plays, continue to take care of the body, learn the plays while you're in the ice tub, learn the plays while you're getting like all of these things. And luckily I had, you know, I had played it, I played at Stanford. So I had guys in the Bay area that I knew who could take, you know, different things, but that was tough. And I'm living in a hotel, which looking back was one of the best things ever because I didn't, I lived at the facility. So Mm. I was there all day for, I don't know how long, just learning the plays and taking care of my body. But that was, you know, it was, it was difficult at first. Definitely wouldn't call it easy, but 
But your first game was good. That's don't you think that's a little? Isn't that kind of amazing when you get that monkey? I mean, isn't that where you threw the, threw a pass, that ran was my a pass? Second in? Game, yeah. Okay, so I, I had a in. ten play package in the Chiefs game. So that was when I got there Friday and ended up playing Sunday, and um, I played just like a few plays, and you know I. They called all the plays that I knew. So after that, it's like, we got nothing. Unless we call it again, we don't have a whole lot for you. <laughs> um, so it was kind of get your bearings. Like okay. I'm in a new number, new stadium. I, I, I got it done with that game. And to be honest with you, I, like, I don't even know what just happened. Like I need to sleep now. So that happened. And then, yeah, the next game we played LA, but I, I you don't know what's going to happen. They just traded a lot for you. But at the same time, I mean, there's so many good players on this team. Is it going to be the same? Are you going to be used the same? Are they going to mm-hmm. like you? Is this an... And I honestly just surrendered to God in that very moment. And I was like, this is in God's hands now. It's not up to me. I'm going to stop trying to control every aspect of my life and this and that and make it about me. And the thing. And that was one of the most freeing things I did. And I did feel a big boulder off my shoulder of like, like you know what, let me just go out and ball. Mm-hmm. Like whatever happens, happens. Like. I'm going to check my boxes and do me, but I got traded. You know, I felt like there was, you know, like very free in that moment, which was empowering. And it was something that was rare, but I guess it was like a, you know, excuse my language, but just like, fuck it. Like, just go, you know, and, and be you and don't try to do anything special. Don't try to just be you. And uh, I think that was the best way to be. Yeah. I feel like you have a lot of differently, but sort of like-minded soldiers on that team. There seems yeah. to be a lot of intense, hardworking athletes. I mean, they're on every NFL team, but it seems like that's, it seemed like you slipped into a culture that works probably pretty well for you. Yeah. They had built that. You could tell, like for me, that was another thing that was different than I had. I I wasn't the leader of the team. I was sitting back doing my job and that was probably the best thing for me. Mm -hmm. Didn't have to say anything, didn't have to, you know, speak or do any of that stuff because you had all pros all over the field who they'd built this culture for six, seven years and they've gone through their growing pains already. The same ones that we were going through in Carolina, they went through those. And then they started turning around NFC championship, Super Bowl, NFC champ, they're making the playoff. Okay. Now it's like, we might be able to do this. So I came into a culture with a learning mentality of like observing all of the things that went on and how these guys worked and how they operated. I'm like, I felt like, man, they're just, just like me. Mm -hmm. Like, this is awesome. This is really fun to be a part of. And they opened me, you know, they welcomed me with open arms and I couldn't have been more thankful. I can't help but think, you know, that expression, like what you do in private, you're rewarded for, you know, more. It feels to me like you got, and I can't imagine that you didn't feel this way. Like you get traded to a team that you're like, I just kept my head down. I kept working hard and things, they work out usually. Yeah. I, I I believe that. I believe that if you continuously do the right thing, it will work out in one way or another. And a lot of times I feel like, you know, like I said, when I, you know, I just surrendered to God, it was like, it doesn't mean that I'm going to win. But or right now, right now, but I, w- it will in the end. And, and, and when you mm-hmm. go through the trials and everything might not be perfect because I've been there where it's like, I did everything right this off season and then game two, I'm like, what the hell? I did everything right. Like what happened? And, mm-hmm. and when those moments happen, that's when you really have to continue to dive in and do the right thing and not go off the deep end because they're going to come. 
Do you, you don't know when they're going to come. Do you ever feel sorry for yourself? Do you ever no, have moments? Never. I did. I used to one time and that was the worst. One in, time you felt sorry for well, yourself? Well, I, I just remember there was like a couple, I was going through a stretch of different injuries and I was feeling a little, I thought, and, and looking back, it's so easy to feel sorry for yourself. Everyone, him, you, everybody yeah. in, in this room, it's so easy to sit there and pity yourself and be like, woe is me. But that's the worst mentality you can have because it gets you nowhere. It's not productive. It doesn't help you get to where you want to be. And once again, you look at the two different ways to be like, what do you want to do when something bad happens? Do you want to feel sorry for yourself, pity yourself, have a bad attitude, stop working as hard? Or do you want to be a baller who says, fuck it, I'm going to work my ass off from mm -hmm. here on out. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to come back. From, like, which one do you want to be? Everyone in, their, in the world would say, oh, that one. Yeah. But for some reason, we don't. we don't. And I didn't at one point. And I felt sorry for myself. I just remember just being... That was just, it didn't get me anywhere I wanted to be. So it's, <laughs> At one time you felt sorry for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did your mom ever, let's say your dad is, you know, tough and your mom, did your mom, was your mom ever, cause she's a sh strong lady. Was she ever like, oh, to any of you boys or <laughs> did you ever get any of that from her? We got a lot. Um, in, in different ways. No, though. I mean like sweetie and like oh, no, a hair no, no, rubbing, not, not, like it's all oh, you did, you did, you tried. No, you know? no. <laughs> she was super loving, like more yeah. loving than she would come. Like she comes across to a lot of people as like, like she, like the first thing she'll do is make fun of you if she were here right now. And she must Sorry, like but, you. So it's, but it's just what she does and it's how she acts. And, but she feels the thing about my mom is she knows how much it matters to us. And she feels every emotion we feel. So if something bad happens to us, it hurts her more than it hurts us normally. Mm -hmm. That's the burden of being a mother. Tell me about it. But <laughs> I can't imagine. But, you know, and I, I actually, I mean, I feel that way when I watch my brothers. Like when something bad happens to my brothers, I, I feel it to the nth degree. And I'm like, man, because you don't have any control and so in those moments, you know, my mom will like watching a foot, she's gotten better, but she has no nails, you know, from watching our games. Sure. And when it comes to serious stuff, she's extremely loving because she knows the how life much stuff. It means. Yeah. But, you know, she she's not gonna pity you for some other things. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Quince. I know all of us want luxury things and we love high quality, affordable pieces. And Quince really has this in spades because I think for me, I'm interested in getting nicer pieces, just a few, not a ton, get those essentials and you can transition them easily from one occasion to the next and not get crazy with your spending. So for example, I ordered a pair of black linen pants. I've even gotten, they have hundred percent Mongolian cashmere sweaters for like $50. So you know, I think sometimes you do want to change it up, but you don't want to spend a ton of money all the time. And they've got beautiful items, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops. This goes, you know, like near and dear to my practical side and even timeless 14 karat jewelry. So the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And you go, okay, well, how are they doing that? It's really simple. They're partnering directly with top factories. And so they cut out the cost of the middleman and they pass that saving on to us. And Quince, it really is on top of not only styles and materials, but also who is making their products. They're factories that they work with. 
They know our safe, ethical, and responsible, practice responsible manufacturing and only use premium fabrics and finishes. I really love that. So if you want to explore all the incredible products on Quince and indulge in affordable luxury, all you have to do is go to quince.com slash Gabby for free shipping on your order and a 365-day return. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash Gabby to get free shipping and a 365-day return at quince.com slash Gabby. This podcast is brought to you by Babbel. I don't know about you, but every time I travel, I kick myself that I haven't spent more time learning whatever language it is in the place that I'm visiting. It's like you want to connect with the people in a real way. Well, immersion, you know, that's the best way. But most of us can't move somewhere and, and you know, live there and learn the language, even though that's number one. But number two is with Babbel. And the reason that is, is first of all, they have it's really quick. They've got 10 minute lessons and, but they're handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. But what I love about it is it's designed by real people for real conversations. It's like, listen, we all want to know, like talk about food and directions and things like that. And Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real life situations and delivered with conversation-based teaching. So you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. And that's the other thing I love is just combining that because you think, okay, maybe using a trip that you have planned or getting together with family somewhere, using that as your motivation to get going. And you don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that maybe don't really even help you you know, speak a new language. In fact, a study showed, there was one study, they did studies at Yale, Michigan State, that Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours, that's nothing, is equivalent to a full semester at college They've got over 16 million subscribers sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. So here's the incredible offer for a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, you can get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription but only for my listeners at babbel.com Gabby. So to get 50% off, at babbel.com slash Gabby. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Gabby. Some rules and restrictions may apply. Now, this is a very female question, but I'm just curious. When you go to a new team, do you care? Like, are you like, I hope, gee, I hope we, I like, they like me. Like, is it, is that ever part of it? Or it's like, Hey, well, listen, we're here to do a job. We're going to do this together as a team. You hold up your side of the deal. I'll hold up mine. Or is this, this ever a hope of like, Oh, I, I, you know, I hope that, <laughs> I think, we, that we like each other. I never, I think if I were younger, like if it, that were in year one or two, I might think that. Yeah. But, being in year six, like I've been around enough locker rooms and I, you know, obviously I was only in Carolina, but we had, it was, you know, we had different guys every year. Sure. I know how it goes. I grew up in locker rooms and it, you know, I'm just, if you just be yourself, you know, you're going to find people to get along with and be a good person and treat everybody with respect and work your ass off. And I remember when I first got in the league, Luke Keekley, who's one of my favorite teammates, who's one of the best players ever. He told me, I asked him for some advice. I was just like, what, you know, this is when he had picked me up from the airport after I got drafted and was showing me around Charlotte. And it's like a 
eight time pro bowler, eight pro bowl straight guy who, you know, he was doing that for me as a rookie. Like that goes to show you the kind of leader he was, but he would say, be a good person, work as hard as you can and have fun. And that's from one of the best players in the league. And I was like, that's what my sixth grade soccer coach used to tell us before games, but it's true. It's the same thing in the NFL, just be a good guy. And I had known some of those guys before and you know, you do have to earn respect though. That's the big thing. It's, I didn't care if they liked me. I mean, you want to be liked because it's better yeah. than the alternative. I keep saying that, but it's true. But I did want to earn my respect and I wanted to practice hard. I wanted to take care of my body and do the right thing and show these guys that, you know, you traded a lot for me and I'm going to do everything I can to help you out and to do my part. What about coaching? What I know your dad has obviously had an impact. Is there a coach or coaches at different levels that really had a profound impact on you either as a person or as an athlete and what about them why did they have that impact on you what did they do or say yeah I've had a lot of different coaches um who have had huge impacts on me or the quality you know I always said for me like my college coach showed that she cared more about me as a person than as an athlete and therefore I would not only go through a wall for her but she was somebody that could you know, sort of profoundly influenced me because it was in that yeah. order. Yeah, that's, I've had a lot of great coaches. It's tough to name one. I've, all what of my running back. What are the qualities back, yeah. of a coach that you think, yeah, that's the way a coach should be? <laughs> it's funny. We, I, we, I have a running back coach right now, Bobby Turner, who's, he's been coaching 51 years. He's coached in the NFL for 51 years. Come on. And he's coached some of the best running backs to ever play. And he's been a part of the Shanahan tree for a really long time. And I've only been with him for a little bit, but I've had coaches like him before. I remember when I first came in the league, Jim Skipper, who's a legendary running back coach. He's coached forever. And I had a guy named Jake Peets who was great. Jeff Nix. They All my running back coaches have been great. But when I look at Bobby T., He's so detailed, but doesn't overcoach it. And for my position, it's an artistic position. It's there are rules before you get the ball, where you go, your track, your eyes, what your read is. And then after that, it's very artistic. It's it's up to you to figure out how to continue to get more yards and something. And he respects that, but he's very detailed on it make it's tough to explain, but the things that he coaches are the most minute details, but they're the most important details. And he, he coaches them over and over and over again every single day. But to your extent, you know, he's hard on you and he'll coach you hard, but he loves you. And he's a guy that when you walk in the room, you want to earn his respect so bad because he's a legend. He's been in the game so long. He's coached all these great backs and he changes personalities. He changes the way people operate because if you don't operate the right way, he'll let you know. He doesn't care. You know, when you have a coach who's had that much experience, that's how they are. And I just have so much respect for him and appreciate working under him because I've learned so much. I've, you know, he was the Broncos running back coach and my dad played. So I, yeah, it's, it's funny how it all comes full circle. And, uh, but no, he's a guy that you just, you really want to make him proud. And mm-hmm. I think that to me is a sign of a good coach. Of, I mean, you want to make all your coaches proud, but but like when you have a position coach you're with every day and you're like, I want to do the right thing because Bobby T said to do the right thing. That's how you know you got a good coach. As experienced and capable and 
kind of expert you are on your position. Are you surprised? Have you learned anything new from Bobby T in these last few months? Was it something short for you? And you're like, whoa, I never looked at it that way. Definitely. I think whenever you get into a new offense, there's there's things you learn all over the field that are different. You know, I, and I think the, the hardest thing to do, but the most important thing to do when you have a new coach is unlearn everything that you've learned in the past mm. and go from scratch. Because if you if you try to mix the two playbooks and be like, oh, this is like what I did two years ago with it doesn't work because you're going to have a lot of this terminology that's the same that might mean different things. And so I just, you have to start from scratch. So I really treated myself as a rookie as soon as I got traded and, you know, the very basics of where your track is, what the footwork is, where you put your eyes, you know, the different coaching points on when you get the ball. Like, Wait, what does that mean where you put your eyes? Well, every, you mean to trick your opponents? Every run play has a read. Mm -hmm. And so the eyes, I think when anyone asks what's the most important quality of a running back, I always say your your vision, because you can be super fast, but you can overrun the cut. You know, you see a lot of guys who aren't very fast, but they have long, really good careers because they know when to be at the right spot and they know what to do after they get there. And so you you have to coach reactions, not rules. So the rules are this is your track, meaning, mm -hmm. you know, if it's the outside leg of the tackle, it's the outside leg of the tackle. It's not two inches to the right or two inches to the left. It's the outside leg of the tackle. And after that, it's, here's your read, press the read, make the cut at the heels, make, you know, all that. And then it's go be you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Bobby T constantly, and Anthony Lynn is also another one of our running back coaches. He's the running back coach, but he he was big on that too, of just consistently, you know, repping the details. Obviously it's a lot more than that as sure. well, but it's, it's just little details that are going to allow you to be you once you get there and it's repetition and experience. And then with routes, it's a little bit different because there's a lot of freedom in a lot of these running back routes. It's beat the guy in front of you. It's being like a point guard in the NBA. Right. Um, it's different than the way that my dad played because there was a lot of rules to being a receiver. It's this many yards, it's it's in this amount of steps, or it's this amount of timing, and this and that. But with with you know more of the routes that are inside the box, for us, it's a lot of option routes. It's a lot of reading leverage, reading defenses, sitting in zones. It's not as much about four steps, plant left, two steps out. It's it's more there's more freedom, and that's what makes it so fun for me because I enjoy studying that, and you know I do look at it like an like an art and this is my yeah. canvas and I'm able to, if I can get you to go this way, um, you're screwed. I know I'm going to beat you every single time. That's how I look at it. And I think, you know, a guy like Bobby T, he coaches everything up to that point. Mm. Then he lets you be you. And that's, well, that's what's yeah. where real success comes, right? Where your game reflects you. Is it, is it, a, what does it feel like when you're doing something that you've done so long, but you're still improving and learning, like, how does that feed you as an athlete, as a person? I think football is different than a lot of sports because no play is ever the same. And so, like, that's why I said earlier, you're coaching a reaction. You're, you're, it's like in martial arts, it's not a jab, jab, cross, hook. You don't know what's coming. And so you need to be very good at seeing everything and you know, playing loose and free. Otherwise you're going to try to follow too many rules and it might be different on one play than it is the other play. Like I, 
I don't like when coaches say, oh, it was a cutback there. Well, now the cutback's in my head. And so the next time we run that play, it might be a bounce read, not a cutback read. And that's why I enjoy, hey, where'd you put your eyes on this specific play? Where were your eyes? Your eyes were wrong. Correct your eyes. Okay, got it. The next time that happens, I'll know where to put my eyes. But I think the improvement comes from the knowledge and understanding that every play has a life of its own and it's not all going to be the same. And so it's, it's not a, it's not like ping pong. This is my forehand and this is my backhand. It's right. this play. You don't know what's going to, it's the unknown. And that's why you have to con- continuously rep these things because you get better and better at reacting to the unknown. Yeah, I love that. And I would imagine certain positions, it's quite the opposite. So like you were stating earlier. So I think it's interesting that you have that kind of, you enjoy that flexibility. Can we slide over to nutrition? Because you are very systematic and scientific. Wait, do you have a dog, by the way? I'm just curious if you own a dog. No, not with your girlfriend. Do you, did you have a dog in, in Carolina that you had to deal with when you left on the trade? I was just curious. No, no, no. Okay, so dogs just, with her. Okay, got it. And the best kind of dog. Yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah. He's a. Uh, he's square. I was like, dog. did she have? What did he have to wrap up? No, you I know? don't know. Food, nutrition, and if you do anything special, especially while you're playing for hydration, because people, you know, they don't realize that might be as much of the physical practice. This is the other real arm of it. So how has that process been for you and what changes have you, have you made and, and kind of what does it look like? And do you, do you do it different in season than out of season or is it pretty similar? It's pretty similar. I used to follow like specific diets and this and that. And what do you I mean? Like calories, yeah, and a certain like, amount of fats and yep. grams and protein grams and such? Yeah. Okay. And I, I didn't like that. And I actually felt worse when I did that. Yeah. Because what um, if you need more? It's yeah. like you said, what if Monday you wake up and you feel exactly. bad? This is why I always say to people, off your off day may not be your off day because you might right. feel great on your off day. And maybe right. your hard day might be your off day. Exactly. Okay. So you used to be like, I'm this many grams of protein and it just was too limiting. So how do you, how are you doing it now? My big thing now is eat whole foods, eat food. And, and especially in season, it's, if you're hungry, eat, don't like, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like, I think food and sleep and hydration is the most important thing in, in season and out of season. I think I have to eat personally as, as many hits that I'm going to take. I can't be too lean. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't be, I've played it, the, the three, 4% body fat ranges and I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. I need a little bit more fat to me and, and the good fat, obviously not sugar and bad fat, but I need a little bit more to me in order to t- sustain throughout the year. That's when I feel better is when I'm a little bit kind of in that like six to eight range, I feel better. But the biggest thing I do when it comes to diet is I get blood work done three times a year mm-hmm. because your sensitivities and allergies are changing all the time. And I think your gut changes a lot. And so I once again, just checking the box, you know, you could eat chicken rice for every meal, but what if you have a chicken sensitivity? You're not going to feel that when you eat chicken, mm-hmm. but, but it's not going to digest as well as maybe something else that you should be eating. And so I just look at all my sensitivities. I look at all of my allergies. And is I it look, a specific blood panel? It is. And I don't know the name, but I have a doctor okay. I work with in Denver who 
does runs all of that and all the supplementation and different things and what goes in the IVs and when when you do the IVs and certain things like that. That's give, give me a scenario. Let's say nothing, we, you know, extra showing up on food sensitivities, but maybe you're what depleted in a certain mineral or you're depleted in certain things. So those are the things that go into IVs. Yep. And, and that'll also be the supplementation that whether it's a pill form mm -hmm. or a powder, like something that you would take in the morning or at night, whatever it is you're deficient in, but well, look at well, the deficiencies, look at the allergens, correct them get a better base and then go from there. What are what shows up, let's say mid-season, you've been going hard, that you usually end up becoming more depleted in? I've actually never done a mid-season panel. Okay. I, I do it before the season and then I do it right after the season and then I'll do it kind of in the middle of the off season. What does the season take, take away that you have to usually build back up? As far as? Just if you're depleted in something at the end of the season, what? Oh, uh, um, Well, it depends because if you if you end up taking a lot of anti-inflammatories throughout the season, it crushes your gut a little it bit. It crushes right? your gut, so your biome's going to be a little bit jacked up. And so that's my biggest thing is right after the season, getting your gut back to square. And and that's why the diet is so important right after the season cuz you just went through a, a you know, very very high nervous system, 21 week output where you you were all in and under stress for a long time, whether you were knew you were stressed or not, you're, right. which, you know, whatever, but you, you were. So those first two, three weeks are very important to me of cleansing, detoxing, making sure you're flushing everything out that you took throughout the year and then starting to get back into the swing of things. But I think you need to respect time and the time it takes to clean your gut out and get everything. It's not take a pill today and you're good. It's, it's, it's a, process. Yeah. A yogurt and some uh, probiotics is probably not going to, not no. going to cut it. So this is all sort of overseen by this doctor yep. and, and, and pretty meticulous. So I would think after the season, you guys had a long season this year, you are in a relationship that you want to be like, woo, I'm just going to go have fun for a couple of weeks. Is that sort of like, do you do that kind of a little bit later where you, do you just sort of let your hair down and yeah. go do whatever or <laughs> it, not really? It depends. Like this year, I would have loved to just take two weeks off of doing absolutely nothing. And I, you know, whatever, but we nothing went from physically and then not worrying um, about your food. Just, you say well, nothing? just, just like rest, you mm -hmm. know, like sleep eat good meals, not worry about what I'm eating, but eat good meals. But this year we went right from the season ended. We had the Pro Bowl, which was five days in Vegas. <laughs> That's like the opposite of rest. Exactly. So we went five days in Vegas. And then over the Super Bowl week, you do a lot of different um, media stuff and yeah. all these other things. And that was in, you know, that was in Arizona. So this last week, me and a couple of teammates, we all took our significant others to Mexico. You were making it up to them. And had like four days of just, and we couldn't help it either. We were playing pickleball and, you know. Oh, still oh, competing. We golf. Oh yeah, couldn't help it. But that's that's what I like to do. That's to me, that's a release. It's like, oh, that was fun. That's something yeah. you can't do in the season. And right. so, um, but no, it's, it's, it is important whenever you can to, even if it's give yourself a day of like, I'm going to eat. A whole day? Yeah, give yourself Whoa, a good day. crazy Christian. Get nuts. <laughs> like give yourself a good day of like reflection, rest, good food. 
no treatment, no IV, no nothing. Like just give yourself the day of doing what you want to do. If to be in a relationship with you, what does the person need to understand? Like, okay, let's say you come off of last game of the season, tough, tough game, tough, tough loss, whatever. Is everyone running away? Are people just near, but kind of quiet? Uh, like, how does it, how does it work? Yeah. The, I, you? you know, kind of what we addressed earlier, like football would dictate my emotions for the majority of my life. Yeah. And that actually one of the reasons why I stopped doing that, or at least tried to stop doing that was because I saw it the way it affected the people around me. And it wasn't fair to them to, well, I hope he plays well. So he's not an asshole for a week, or I hope he, oh, he didn't play well. Now I got to keep an arm's distance. Like that's no, that's like a very toxic thing to like have your family and your, your girlfriend have to deal with all that stuff. And I give them so much credit because they did have to deal with that for a really long time and still do a little bit. And you have to have a very, very solid person with you if you want to stay emotionally sane. And so I'm very, very fortunate that the way that my girlfriend and my family are when I'm, you know, after games is exactly how I'd want them to be. And that's a mm. big reason why I love them and the reason why I keep them around and trust them. And and uh, I don't think people ever see that side of a family or, you know, whatever, a girlfriend, whatever it is. Yeah. But when you have people like that around you who are, who can build you up when you're down, who are there for you when you do well, who feel with you, it's, it makes you feel better. It makes you feel like you, you have a team outside of your team. That's yeah. like, wow, that it means a lot. Yeah. You know, it really does mean a lot. Right. It's like somehow they feel the disappointment that you feel, but they also simultaneously know how to try to get, lift you up through right. that. It is an interesting, interesting thing. Now your girlfriend, Olivia has a lot going on in her own life. How do you balance needing to be so focused on what you're doing and then also supporting her because she's busy and, yeah. You know, doing all kinds of things. Yeah. It's challenging for me because, you know, especially when I played in Carolina, she, she's not at her house more times out of the year than she is because she, she lives in LA and she's constantly traveling all over the world to do these different things. And it's a very stressful job, believe it or not. I mean, I, you know, when I first started dating her, you know, I, I didn't realize how hard she worked. I mean, it's, it's, ridiculous. I have so much respect for it. I think that's why I love her because I respect her so much and the way she operates and her mentality and her schedule and knowing that she's thinks a lot like me in the sense of this is my job. This is my goal. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to get there. And I'm going to do everything I can to get there while also flying five hours to Charlotte every week to come see me play and do all these other things. It's that sacrifice is hard to replicate on my end because it's a lot of, it's different. Uh, we have different jobs and I'm required to be in a place during my job while she's, it's very sporadic. But- um, Do you try to like overcompensate at least in the off season a little bit? <laughs> Every once in a while, yeah. I'll, I'll, she's like, look, you did a little too much there. You don't have, you don't have to do that. Take I'm it like, easy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, but then it's also like, you know, hey, if, you know, but she, she handles it so well and yeah, I mean, it's we have a very good balance now, um, but it takes a long time to to get there and learn how to, you know, how to support your significant other it can be challenging and have a lot of growing pains and this and that. But yeah. she communicates great. I communicate 
not great at times. I was but like, I can't wait no. to hear what, if you do or no, not. but I'm getting better. And no, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's actually been work. It works out great. And we have a very good, Yeah, we're on the same Wi-Fi now, but it did take some growing pains for sure. Hey, listen, it ta- it's a dance, you know, mm-hmm. it's definitely a dance fun. I, I know you play a little bit of music and, um, I, I'm not sure if you're still, are you still playing video games? Do you still? Yeah, I play every once you in a while. Yeah, I'm not like Is that, you, addict. It, I'll play like once, twice a week, maybe. Do you do anything? I know you went surfing with Luca the other day. Are you doing anything? What do you have stuff that's like hobby or fun? What are those? Anything that's like competitive, that's not going to like, you know, like growing up with three brothers, it was, if it's snowing outside and you can't go play outside, you're playing knee football in the rug or like you're, you're doing a game like, Hey, I, I, I bet I can hit this ping pong ball and, and that vase before you can like, I like, I love, I get off to that. So that's my favorite thing to do. It's just like little games. And, you know, like even when I'm with my buddies and we're on vacation, it's, oh, there's a putt-putt course. Like it's like an adult playground where I can, there's an arcade. Like it's just like fun things. Like I like doing things uh, and playing in the NFL. I, I can't go play. I don't go play five on five basketball anymore. Right. There's some rules. You're not allowed to go downhill skiing. Probably. I'm not going to ski. I want to, even though you're from Colorado, I want to, like, I would love to go play hoops and I'd love to go, you know, snowboarding all the time and that. but it's not smart. You know, football is a window and uh, for the obvious That's right. reasons, That's right. but I like ping pong. I love ping pong. I love watching movies. I'm a big movie buff. I love TV shows and things that just get my mind off of, that's why I like video games. Cause I communicate with my best friends who mm-hmm. I went to college with. I'm not FaceTiming. I'm like, miss you, bro. Look. Like that's not, <laughs> that's just not our relationship, but we'll get on Xbox and compete against each other without breaking a sweat. Like that's, that's why it's fun. I, you know, I don't play by myself, yeah. uh, but anything where I can be around friends and family and, and have fun cards, uh, I enjoy it all. Do you, do you find like you think you're thinking about football all the time? I think subconsciously I am. Yeah. And that's, you want to talk about like, end up being in a relationship. Like I know like, there's a lot of times where my girlfriend will be like, Hey, you want to go on a walk? And I'm like, I don't go on walks because it's. Oh yeah. You don't jog or walk. Physically. Right? It's like your training is so regimented and your rest is regimented. And as soon, as soon as you like go to a dinner, like that's a three, it's exhausting. Right. And like, it's. <laughs> I, mean, I hate saying it again because I've said it five times now in the podcast, but okay. what's the alternative? It's like you could go to dinner yeah, or you can make a really healthy dinner, sit down the whole time, you know what I mean? And, and rest and get to bed early. Mm. What's better for being successful in football? And it's, it's always, usually it's B, but then there's the, you know, I like going to dinner. I like doing all that stuff. So now it's, you just have to be good at planning those times. Like, Hey, on a Friday night when I don't have anything Saturday, hell yeah, let's do it. Like, and you have to make that time up because that's important. A lot of guys in the league, they have like a family day and a date night day during the week. And those are their days where like, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. And then the rest of the week it's, you're dialed in, but uh, I'm getting a lot better at that because I'm, I'm, I've stopped taking myself so seriously and I've realized that, hey, going on a walk in February, you know, when the season's over is not going to kill you. Yeah, but I think when you're with somebody who's that intense about what they're doing, I think you, un- you, you understand. I think the yeah. partner understands. It's also everything they love about them. Right. Right. Like, I'm sure you're intense about her. 
Yeah. And, and I think that people have to recognize that, like that same attribute shows up right. in a great way towards you. I mean, you know, exactly. the fact that you won't walk with her and the dog, I mean, well, I guess. Well, I'm getting right. better now, but <laughs> yeah, but even that, like she's good about that and she gets it as much as it's like, dude, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> Cause she's even like, you going on a walk. Like, it's like, I could find an article right now about going on a walk and how that's going to benefit you tomorrow for training. Like I could find it on Google right now, I bet. Like, you, yeah, could, man. you could wear shorts so they're not too heavy on your exactly. legs. Exactly. <laughs> not in jeans. Damn sure not no, walking not in jeans. jeans. Yeah. What would your dad say? So sleeping, preparation for sleep, sleeping after a game. Like, do you have any secrets about sleeping? Because most people don't sleep as it is. And I can't imagine, especially playing a night game, how you sleep. Yeah, it's hard because you have so much adrenaline after a game still, even if you don't think you do, you think you're tired, you're still going. Yeah. Um, and I like the quicker you can come down, the better you're going to recover. How do you do that? Um, I give myself like, for me, I get excited about the meal after the game. Like when you're exhausted like that and you just gave everything you have, the, the thought of like eating chicken breasts and veggies and all that stuff. It just, I don't like that. So I, I give my, I give myself like a little bit of a cheat meal after games. And so I get excited about that and it sounds stupid, but I think that helps me sleep. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm excited about this meal. I can eat this meal and go to bed, you know, whatever. I'm fine. Yeah. Is it like lasagna? Like what's your comfort? Changes all the time. Okay. It's just like, usually my family gets it, but like point is, is I'll just eat whatever they give me. It's yeah. just not like a. But do you have like any breathing or do you just, you know, have any ritual before yeah. bed that sort of just down regulates you and gets you rolling? Honestly, I've never had a hard time sleeping. Great. Like I've, I, I can lay down and fall asleep. I think for me, just the overall concept of not being stressed. Like when I got traded, I was stressed out at first, but what's weird is I found myself like when I completely let go and I'm like, look, I'm just going to do as best I can. Mm. I was sleeping fine because I had no like stress and it was, I was feeling really good when I wake when I woke up and it was easy to go to bed. So I think monitoring stress, I think is like one of the most important things you can do and how you do that with cold plunges and sauna and breathing and all that stuff. I did all that stuff throughout the year, but uh, that's, it's, yeah. It seems like, how, do, how am I feeling and how, how's my stress? It seems like you also do a lot of it through the internal check-in and not ignoring how you internally feel. Right. Are there any treatments that you care to share um, that have really helped you in your healing or recovery that are, you know, progressive or sort of cutting edge that have really been kind of a game changer for you? Yeah, I mean, I have such a good team of body maintenance people. Um, Guy Mark Lindsay, who I've been working with yeah. since I was a junior in college, he's kept me up a lot and he's fixed me a lot. So I, I credit a lot to him and he, when well, he's evolving too, I mean, he's still in school studying and not a lot of guys who are at his level who are still doing that. But I think when you're talking about managing your body, there's a lot of cutting edge things and there's a lot of different treatments that I think work, but knowing when to do them is the most important thing and not overdoing different things and understanding the stimulus that comes with getting treatment and how to downregulate your heart rate. Like, you know, you go, you get three hours of treatment. You're not just laying there. That's a, that's a stressor. You yeah. know, you're not, that's like, 
you know, it's a mini workout, so to say, like your body is do, having to do a lot to correct itself. When you're doing acupuncture and doing all these things, you might think, well, I didn't do anything, but that's, that's a stressor in and of itself. So for me, it's a combination. It's, mm-hmm. it's the diet, it's the sleep, it's what lifts I'm doing and when I'm doing them and why I'm doing them and when I'm changing it. It's all the supplementation. Do you have it's, a baseline of supplements that you're taking that are like your basic kit? I know that the other stuff is changing. Yeah, like I, I take collagen and vitamin C, bef- <clears throat> you know, 30 minutes before every workout. And uh, I take creatine every day, but it's a uh, mapped out dosage of it. It's not like I don't just down Scoop creatine. Like I'm gonna, I just don't want any kids out there listening to this being like, oh, I'm going to just no, down. No, like, of course. I would do it, you know, because there's different ways to do it and there's different kinds, you know. But food, whole foods to me is the biggest supplement that you can have. That's the, it's the best thing you're going to have. Obviously coffee, being a fan, like I, I abuse Laird superfood coffee. You should make Laird make you coffees all the time. (laughs) I'd be wired. But uh, no, I think uh, it's a combination of everything. It's the chiropractic work. Mm -hmm. It's the red light. It's, it's the soft tissue work. It's the needling it's the Eldoa and the stretching. And it's finding out when to do all that. Cause I don't believe in getting adjusted every day. I don't believe in doing deep tissue massages every day. I don't believe in soft tissue every day. And um, all these different modalities that there are now, I mean, there's, it's, it's overwhelming how many different things there are now. Mm-hmm. And I would catch myself once again, overdoing it. Like there's so many things I can do to get better. I can do all these in one day and that's actually probably not the best thing for you. So that's why reading and listening to podcasts and really educating yourself, I think is the most important thing for every athlete because now you're in control and you know exactly what to do, when to do it and why you're doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, Justin, are you, uh, do you have any last specific questions? I still can't get over the trades. I was just like, congrats, you're here now and just go. That's still... (laughs) Crazy. And if then, you weren't, oh wait, and, and then throw uh, my second, the second game, throw a touchdown, yeah. catch a touchdown, and just, run a touchdown in. It's just nothing. That was awesome. Just, anyway, you know, sorry. At the office. Thanks. If you weren't doing playing football, what would you do? Damn. Yeah, I get asked that a lot, and I never have an answer. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I I've been playing football since I was seven. You know, and yeah. it's all I've ever. You know, I played bunch of different sports growing up, played three sports all throughout high school and all that stuff. But um, basketball and baseball, basketball, baseball, ran track, all that stuff. So, I mean, I, I'd be doing something in football, probably like (laughs) it's all, you know, it's not all I know, but I would have to answer that when I'm done playing. It's hard to even think about that while I'm playing right now. Cause it's, I love my job and yeah. And I didn't even ask you about after, because I think it's about now. Yeah. It always is. So I'm not, you know, I, I just like, you know, I always trust myself that like whenever I am done, I'll know what to do at that point, but I don't know now. Yeah. So if you have another one that I, cause I didn't answer that, you can ask another one. Okay. I think that's a reasonable Cameron. Did I, did you want to, did I miss anything? Do you want to add anything? Is there any, you would tell yourself when you're first coming to the league? Ooh, that's a good question. So, um, so <clears throat> yeah, so the question is if, you know, would you tell, you know, you always say, oh, what would you say to your younger self? But if you were coming into the league, because 
people might be having this transition, either a new job or if an athlete's going into college, what would you tell your younger self coming would, into the league? I would tell myself to smile more, to enjoy where you're at, not take yourself so seriously, have fun with it and be extremely present. Like always be exactly where you are. Don't stop looking so much into the future and don't change your work ethic or change any, you know, anything you're doing, but your mindset behind it can be a little bit more freeing. Mm. That's what I would, would have told myself. Cause you know, I just remember never, there's so many things I just don't remember because I was never present in that moment. I was always thinking about, you know, you finish a game and you play well and it's, you're already on to the next one. And, and that's a, you know, it's the way it's supposed to be, but I just wish I would and would have stopped to smell the roses every once in a while. Good question. Do you, Wait, one more. I'm one more. <clears throat> yeah, of course. Not only are you playing at the highest level, you were like shining at the highest level. Mm. Did you, do you feel like you always knew that was going to happen? Or are you totally blown away and like how, how this happened? Do you feel like you were born for it? Are you obsessed with it? Like what's the combination that has led you here? And did you, did you foresee that? Was that like all the workouts in high school and college? Did that like, when you were visualizing mentally, did you, was it, you have that now, you're there. What does it feel like now compared to like going back to those first workouts with your brothers, with your dad? That's a great question. Um, I think I always knew I could play. Uh, and I always knew that I was good at the level I was playing, but there's always been a higher level. And even when I was really good in high school and, you know, we would kill teams and I would play well, I knew that there's Texas teams that are better than, than the teams that we're playing. Mm -hmm. And there's guys that are ranked higher than me. And I've had a chip on my shoulder since I was a kid. You know, I was... I always find a reason to be bitter. Like there's like, oh, I had no SEC offers. I had coaches tell me that I couldn't play running back in the NFL or in college even. And I was the last guy picked for the, you know, all American game. Most people be like, you're an all American. How's that feel? I'm like, I'm pissed off. Like I was the last picked and I'm better than all these guys. Like I've always had a chip on my shoulder. And then, you know, you get to Stanford and I remember my, my second year, I was the AP college player of the year but I lost the Heisman. And, you know, once again, one might think like, that's a, what a year you had. I'm like, I'm pissed off. Like this, my goal was to win the Heisman. I didn't like, I'm pissed. And then, you know, I got drafted top 10, but there was a running back picked before me. Like I wanted to be the first running back picked and he's a really good player. It's nothing again. No, I'm not, that's not the point of this, but in my head, I wanted to be the first guy taken and I wasn't. And so you'd say, oh, you're drafted eighth pick of the NFL draft. That's a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but, you know, and I'm thankful, but I was also pissed off. And then, you know, you're all, there's always something that, that's going to piss you off when you play in this league. And especially like competitors, you just, you know, so for me, it's like, oh, you're shining at the highest level. It's like, not at my standard, I'm not. You know what I mean? Like I, I wasn't all pro this year. I made the Pro Bowl you know, but I wasn't all pro. And even the pro bowl thing I was pissed off about because I wasn't one of the, it's like, there's a, I'm like, I'm, I'm not happy or satisfied in the least bit. Like if anything, I'm more hungry than I've ever been in my life. And 
looking back, I've just always had that attitude. There's always something that's pissed me off that's allowed me to continue to work. And I really believe that that's God divinely intervening in my life saying, like, you got a lot more in you and I don't want you to ever get complacent. And this is why you're doing this. And it sucks at times, but I'm thankful for it because that's really molded where a lot of my mentality has come from. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful and grateful, but at the same time, it's just knowing I, from experience that you're not done and you're not where you want to be. And I don't know if you ever are. Yeah. I think what liberates you from that though, is let's say once you are, you've completed your professional career is I think because in a, when you don't sink your teeth into any of your successes in a certain way, you're also free on the other side because you don't need everyone walking around telling you how great you are. Cause then, you know, the noise changes. Right. It's like, no, I do things the way I want to do them my way. And right. there's something also liberating that you won't be like, well, people aren't noticing me or telling me how great I am, or I'm not, you know, right. it's like, if you're not hooked your teeth into that, I think it also saves you. Um, my last question is getting scared. Do you ever, you're, you're playing a very difficult game. It's like going to war on Sunday. Is there moments that it's, it goes past like the, uh, you know, adrenaline of playing, the excitement. And if you ever, you know, get scared and if you do, like, how do you, wh where do you put that? I think everyone gets scared in their own way. Like to me, like playing football is once again, it's what I love to do. So yeah. I'm never like scared, like, oh, like that guy's really good. Like that's never been, it's, it's okay. more like I've, I fear failure a lot. Like I, my biggest fear is not living up to my potential. And so like, you know, back to your question about what's, you know, did you ever envision it and whatever? And it's like, I've been, I've been, I've had really good years, but I look at the guys that came before me who are hall of famers and they stacked years. They were good for 10 years in a row. And, you know, like, these different guys that I watched when I was a kid, like they, they're ahead of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and for me, it's like, I fear not living up to that and not getting there. And that's something that I think every NFL player that I've ever talked to, whether they're a hall of fame, multiple Super Bowl champion or not, they all have that in common. It's they're all bitter about something and whatever it is, it's like, that's what made them great though. And right. so I don't want to change what, one of my favorite things about me is, but I also recognize that like, Hey, when you're done, you're probably going to be pissed off about a few things and that's okay. And so, um, but yeah, that's, that's my biggest fear is not living up to my potential. Christian McCaffrey, thank you for your time. And, um, I want you to know how much I genuinely respect you. Thanks. Likewise. You and you and your family are have been unbelievable to me, and I'm I owe you guys a lot. So no, you it's owe us honor, nothing. Absolute honor. No, thank you. You know, meeting. Um, we Laird and I talk about it sometimes. We'll be at this house, and we have some of the most exceptional humans come through. And I'm like, here we are sitting on the top of the hill, and um, just to sh share time and learn also from you. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm double your age, but there's always opportunities to learn from anyone. And just the way you conduct yourself also re-inspires uh, us separately. Like, oh yeah, we could work a little harder. 
I don't know about Larry, but certainly <laughs> I could work a lot harder. And and so I just, I want to say I'm very excited for you. Congratulations on your season. I know it's, there's a lot more to do and, and um, I'm just uh, excited that you're in a place you want to be in and uh, have that opportunity to, to really get it done. So. Well, yeah. Thank, well, thank you too. And, and going back to a question you asked earlier, like I think being around people who are better than you at what they did is very important. And that's why I spend so much time here because you and Laird and you guys are the best of the best at what you do. And I remember my first day here when you all exposed me in the pool and I got my absolute ass kicked. It was one of the best days of my life because it reminded me that I had a lot of work to do and that I wasn't where I wanted to be. So yeah. That's why I like coming here and I appreciate you guys opening your doors well, thank to me. You. Thank you. Yeah. Wait, what was your friend? The really muscular one? The, <laughs> Justin the same? Falls. Yeah. So Justin says like he trained with myself and the teen, like the 13 year old girl. <laughs> and he's like, I got my ass kicked by a middle-aged yep. woman and a 13 year old girl. <laughs> he goes, I got a friend who's a big power lifter, Huge. big dude. And he's like, Sings it's like not, a every, stone, it's let me not tell you. every day you can get your ass kicked by a middle-aged woman and a 13-year-old girl yeah. in the same workout. I'm like, and, I, and I wasn't the 13-year-old girl. I just want to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so thank Thanks, you. Christian. Yep. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to learn more, there is a ton of valuable information on my website. Head to the link in the show notes and click gabbyreese.com to find a full breakdown with helpful links to studies, research, books, products, and more. Stay tuned for a bonus episode coming this Thursday where I go deeper on one of the topics that really resonated with me. If you have any questions for my guests or even myself, please send them to at Gabby Reese on Instagram. If you feel inspired, please hit the follow button, leave a rating and a comment. It not only helps me, it really helps the show grow and reach new listeners. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.